Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Welcome to the show. Woo! Uh, yes. It was me being welcome. excited. We are talking sequels this week. We're talking Pitch Perfect to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the first film. If you missed our episode last week, go check it out at so many sequels.com or in your podcast feed. We talked all about the first Pitch Perfect. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, we all really liked it. Very enjoyable. So go check that out. But today we're talking about Pitch Perfect 2, the first sequel, which brings back most of the main cast, adds some new people. Most notably, Haley Steinfeld joins the cast as the new girl in on the acapella group. She's a legacy Bella, meaning that basically she they just have a system where you can inherit it. Yeah, her, her mom, mom was, was a Bella, and right. so she gets a legacy audition. And, you know, everything else is... After that is the same as last time, plot-wise, we're going for a competition. Without further ado, who would like to go first? I don't think either of you have seen had seen this one. No, I think I've probably seen clips, but I've never seen the whole thing. Okay, okay. Well, how, how do y'all feel it matched up to Pitch Perfect 1? I guess I'll go first. And I'll just say, this one felt a bit more scattered, I think. It felt a bit uneven because it felt like it had a few different things it wanted to do. It like stories it wanted to tell. It had Becca's story. It had this story about the world competition. And then, you know, there's some good B, you know, like B or C stories with Amy and Bumper and Haley Steinfeld's character. So like there's a lot going on. And I felt like it just it didn't focus in very well. The first movie, Garrett, I think you a very accurately compared to a sports movie feel where it's an unconventional sport, but you have this competition and you're building and you're getting better and you're montaging. This didn't, this I feel like was more comparable. I don't know if you guys have seen this. This was more comparable to like Beer Fest than it was a sports movie. <laughs> you never seen that? Well, no. I don't know if I'd recommend it or not, but you might have fun. It was, I don't, I don't know. It just, it felt like it wanted to make a bunch of jokes about like international differences, but it seemed like to me, it took forever to get to the world competition. Like I figured they would be, you know, international overseas, like 25 minutes into the movie, but they don't finally fly to Copenhagen until like, I don't know, like the last 10 minutes or 20 minutes of the movie. Like it's really deep in before they get there. And I don't know. I I felt like it wasn't as focused as the first one. I thought some of the new additions were interesting. I have a lot of in-universe complaints, if you know what I mean. Oh, also, before we get to those, though, I need to make a mea culpa. I need to apologize. I was the victim of Inception because my wife was the one who actually came up with the, the complaint we talked about last week of the switching to, to men's songs. Oh. And she said that way back when, and I selfishly inherited that or claimed that. <laughs> you took that opinion on as your own. As long but as I, you know you're wrong, David. Thing is, she and I have also been saying it together for so long. Anytime that movie comes up, that that I I have slowly forgotten who came first. But she's very right. It was her idea, her her complaint. It was such a correcting your errors. Correct. Anyway, Nikki Nikki Proc, aka the real one. She she came up with that idea. I apologize, Garrett. What do you have to say? We'll get to my in-universe complaints here in a minute. Okay. Yeah, this one is very scattered. They tried to do too much with not telling enough. They tried to advance a few characters here and there. It's just overall just feels like a sloppies. Like we made a lot of money. Let's throw something together and, and and enhance it without any kind of real thought process into it. I think that it's really funny. 
it continues to be very sunny. It continues to deliver very engaging mashups and songs that get you interested and, and, you know, fill that excitement. But the story itself is just really flat over. I do like the addition of Haley Steinfeld. I do think that is the one thing that they really got. And I also really like the German, the DSM. I like that dynamic. I love when Flulaborg shows up in a movie. He is so incredibly funny every single time. And so I really like that dynamic. I think they went into, if I'm thinking long-term, I haven't seen Pitch Perfect 3, but I think adding recruits should have been the focus of this one because you have people graduating, you have the addition of Haley Seinfeld, and I think the adding recruits and, and focusing on like that element or more inner struggles or whatever, that could be the next thing. I don't know, but I think it was too long also because it took too long to get international. If you're going to go international, go international and, and, and show me more of the culture of acapella. I think that would have been a more fun focus if you're going to focus on the international thing. You know, have them go through, you know, they have to redeem their reputation after embarrassing themselves in front of President Obama, which is just silly. But then have to have them go through all of these other acapella competitions and make their way to the DSM finals or whatever. I think that could have been more fun too. Mm-hmm. Just found tips rather than, uh, you know, swinging it or some home run or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would agree that it is a little, a little sloppier, a little messier than the first one. It could use some, some tightening up with kind of what the focus is, who the focus is and things of that nature. But on the positive side, I will say it's still got a lot of laughs out of me. It's still, they still have a lot of that same humor that still hits. They lean a little more into silliness, which I appreciate because I didn't feel like they went too far yet, but they did lean deeper into the silliness. Just the existence of, of DOS sound machine is they are cartoons of themselves, especially when you're led by Flula Borg. But even like the, uh, I never forget what they're called, but the old men acapella group has now added Bumper after he graduated and Reggie Watts, which is just- Reggie Watts always great. Reggie Watts always great. So they're very silly. I love that we got another riff off with kind of the stakes raised a little bit with more groups participating. So all that was really fun. Yeah, Haley Steinfeld was a perfect addition to the cast. I think we probably needed a few more, like you said, just to build the bench for the the third movie. But overall, I think it is a pretty solid follow-up, just slightly lower in quality for me. I don't think it is too different. It's Thor Love and Thunder, where <laughs> Thor, it, is very, and Thunder. it is very similar and it does... It adds and it continues on what was good and it feels like the first one and you get to see Fat Amy being Fat Amy and Becca still mm-hmm. doing her mashups and it's like, yeah, this is me. But like, if you do this again, it's going to be bad. I'm going to tell you right now. What's if you up? don't change it, it's going to be bad again. So stop right here while you're ahead. And I'll bet money they don't. What's also interesting about this one, I think, is they tried to, to an extent, I think, recreate the success of the Cup song because that was... A bit of an accident when the first movie came out. But this movie focuses on an original song called Flashlight that was recorded for this movie by Jesse J and is like the focal point of Haley Steinfeld's character. It's her original song. She auditions with it. She sings it out of panic at an audition. And then, of course, they go on to perform it at the international competition or whatever. But... What do we think? What do y'all think of the flashlight song? It was written by Sia and Sam Smith, which is um, 
which is some power hitters. I, to, to start, I'll say I do think that one of the highlights, again, was the music. Music was a lot of fun. The riff-off scene, very fun. I think most of the performances were, were you know, what you come for, and they were good. The Flashlight song is, I guess it's good. I like it. Good is probably the best thing you could don't. I don't like the title, and I don't really like the book of You're My Flashlight, just because... Gosh, I really don't want to get into that, but like there's a <laughs> there's obviously a similar word that, you know, could easily be misconstrued as the word being said. Listeners, I'll let you figure that out for yourself. But yeah, so I don't know. It was it's fine, it's good. It's not necessarily I don't feel like it's I don't think feel like it had much of a life after this movie. Let's say that. And not not like the cup song. I think it's a weird addition to go for in this direction like, you know, original song in an a cappella group is not a thing. That is going to be a thing that's going to be well accepted in a competition like this. I think that the end result, how they worked it in was pretty cool. I liked the final performance and they delivered it and it was pretty and it was nice and everyone was putting their flashlight in the air. It was great, but it was forgettable. It was uh, this, this movie just again is very forgettable overall and it doesn't have that same kind of lasting impact where it's really fun in the moment, but no. then afterwards it's like, hey, interestingly enough. The, the the song that lived on here virally through TikTok is this Snoop Dogg on a Kendrick Santa Claus like like Christmas song. That's the one that Gary, you're not on TikTok, but Josh, you remember like every Christmas we get Snoop Dogg on a Kendrick, here comes Santa Claus. And that one had lived on more than the one that I think they wanted to have a, uh, you know. Ain't that the way it goes. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. this. I always enjoy whenever Snoop Dogg gets to lean into being Snoop Dogg. Mm -hmm. If you let Snoop Dogg be Snoop Dogg, his, it's very funny. I also think his... that Keegan Michael Key provided a, a well amount of laughs because he's just perfect every time. Yeah, and then yeah, this was his Snoop Lion phase as well. Oh, was he Snoop <laughs> Lion in this before? Yeah. Good for yeah, him. Yeah, this was his his Snoop Lion phase. I remember that very well. Steve. Oh yeah, um, great album. So played it on RSU Radio. From an in-universe standpoint. The Bellas are in big trouble, right? Because by the very nature of looking at the cast, they have not recruited any new members in three years. All of them, all of them take a photo at the end. They all say we're seniors and they take a photo of them, all of them, and they hand the keys over to Haley Seinfeld. She's the only Bella left. Yeah, and they're the like, three-time defending champions. They have been doing zero recruiting. That is poor management. Anna Camp would be very upset with them. What's going to happen to them? Obviously, we're going to see the got to do They're just going to be a group, you know, after they graduate from college. It's going to be a group together, I assume. But, like, like that's not that's bad club management. You have to be constantly recruiting. You can't have a core member, a core group of kids, people, who are your, your, your student club. And then when you hand it off, there's nobody there. Yeah. It's not a great way to run a club. Disaster. You're absolutely especially, right. Especially a club that actually has, like, a thing. Yeah. Like they get booked for gigs. Right. Mm -hmm. They've got one freshman and like seven seniors. That's a, that's trouble coming and up. Yeah. Like they six. only let that freshman in because they had to give her that legacy audition. They didn't want to yeah. at first. And, well, and yeah. they couldn't. They were like banned from, from recruiting that that's year. That's true. They which were. Which I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking at them going, well, have they been recruiting at all? They have one new person since the last movie. And that was, let's see here. That was, I know her name. I got it right here. Shoot. I lost it. Well, it was the Guatemalan girl who kept, mm -hmm. every time anybody would, would say how bad of a deal this is, that the Bellas are not going to be able to go to competition. She was like, yeah, I know. It's like this one time when 
I had to like swim back into the country or whatever. Or like my, my brother hid me under a truck for eight days so mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be weird. Like she would always like have some kind of like first world problems line to bring up. So I don't know. And she's, but she's a senior too. She, they, they, they stated that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it, I think, you know, that would have solved Becca's issue with trying to find a real job and stuff is had they been recruiting, you could have offloaded some of your Bella load into somebody else. And that's just, that's just practical management right there, especially for a college issue. But and the same thought, David is, is watching this is going, they, they didn't get nobody. And they're the three-time defending champions. They would have been well sought after in the Arcola scene. I, you would think. You would think so. You absolutely. You would think. think. Even Playing in the first in movie. Obama. In the first movie, most of the cast is new recruits. They only had like two people. They had Anna Camp and uh, Brit- Brittany Snow were the only mm-hmm. two returning members, and they brought in a bunch of freshmen. So, like, I don't know. And then, and then Brittany Snow's character, Chloe, she's purposely failed Russian literature, which who knows that was a class. <laughs> Who knew that was a requirement? She's failed it three times, so she can keep being a Bella. Yeah. Wow. There's a ton of cameos in this movie. We talked about some of them. Reggie Watts, the the tone hangers, the tone hangers, the Green Bay Packers make an appearance. Green Bay Packers that was, was their own acapella group. Yeah. You know what? They handled and, that very well, and I was really surprised that they were able to handle themselves that well. Like I thought it was going to be bad. I'm going to be real, yeah. but they did. A, they did a good job. And no, they were game the athletes and, and they were getting them loose and, and to feel like they can just enjoy being silly. They were game. They 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 had a lot of fun. You mentioned Flula Borg. We didn't mention Brigitte Sorensen, who played the leader of Dot Sound Machine. She was really funny. We had to endure David Cross, and that was that was fun. <laughs> you really don't like David Cross. I, I thought like he was David hilarious. Cool. Well, he's just doing his thing. He's doing his same thing. I would have preferred <laughs> more. I would have preferred more, preferred more McLovin, but there we were. And then there was one other one I wanted to bring up. Oh, it was the voice the voice cast at the end. We had Blake Shelton. Oh, yes, oh, Aguilera, Adam, Le- Adam Le- uh, Levine, Levine. I can't Levine. ever remember. Adam Levine and Adam Devine. Remo- Maroon Five, Adam Levine, and then Adam Devine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And That's Pharrell. And Pharrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another fun little tidbit about this movie is that it was this. This one was directed by co-star Elizabeth Banks, who, funny enough, was was nominated for a Razzie Award for this movie, but. Really? It was the Razzie Redeemer Award, oh. which is which is a good thing, and it was it was a redemption for her directing of the movie Movie Forty Three, which I did not know she directed. Oh, that honestly explains so much about Movie Forty Three. <laughs> but she actually lost like the award that year to Sylvester Stallone for his nomination, Academy Award nomination for Creed. Mm. Okay, fair. Okay. Sylvester Stallone is the all-time Razzie champ. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that for him. More Razzies than anyone. I guess that's what that means. I don't know. Yeah. But that was the the one Razzie award for this movie was the only good Razzie award. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Well, that's good for them. I had no problem with the direction other than I felt like it was just an addition. It didn't really advance anything. It just added on on top of. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It just, it, it just, I don't know. This is the struggle we talked about. Well, we haven't talked about it in a long time, but this is the first time in a while we've been able to do a comedy sequel. And comedy sequels seem to struggle because they double down on what makes it funny. But in doing so, a lot of times they lose out on the originality of that concept. Right. So, you know what they should have done? One of the things that did still work, I think, was Hannah Mae Lee as uh, Lily. 
who just whispers really creepy stuff all the time. She's still great. Like when she's like, she's like, like how all my teeth are from different people. Yeah. And then she's like creepily grins. Yeah. So she's still great. Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. And you Josh. lose your voice or and you lose your direction of it. I feel like that's where you fall apart from the start. And that's what this one did. I feel like if they want, they shouldn't have continued it as a sport. And you can even do the international thing and make it like the acapella Olympics or whatever. However, you aka that word, it works out quite well. I just Aka can't Olympics. do it. Olympics. Yeah. And then you have that international feel and then you can incorporate that and you still have that competition. You still have those elements that I think for me enhance the first one and take it to that next level because it is leaning into that. It's, it's leaning into something. Whereas this one is just leaning into pitch perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this one felt like it wanted to say more about like the music industry a little bit. It felt like it wanted to say more about what music means, like it being your own voice, you know, and that was a weird conversation where Keegan-Michael Key, he's like, you're just doing all these are just mashups. I want to hear your voice. And so she collaborates with Haley Steinfeld on her song. So I mean, it's a weird thing because it's like, okay, well, if she's, and this is my wife who said this, and if it's like, if it's like she is a producer like so her voice is being a producer back yeah but Haley steinfeld is being a songwriter so she's a producer who can sing Haley steinfeld is like a singer songwriter and they combine for one talented person i don't know it's like i don't know where they're gonna i know there's a pitch perfect three i don't know what's his name mark ronson Mark Ronson. Yeah, he's the guy who's featured on like everything and he's the producer, but I think he also sings. Like it's always Bruno Mars featuring Mark Ronson or some That's right. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Billy um, Blanco. Yeah. Is that his name? That is a guy. He's on a lot of things. I don't yeah. think he anyway, can that's Anna Kendrick in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she doesn't have Benny her, Blanco. She that's doesn't it. seem to have her own artistic voice outside of music production. No, she can make an arrangement, but I she struggles yeah. to write her own thing. Yeah. Which is an interesting development off the last movie where it that is. was like her unique skill was arranging things. I also was, I feel like that more could have been done with advancing the relationships that they decided to have in this. Like Anna Kendrick's relationship with Skylar Aston doesn't really move anywhere. Like yeah. they, like they clearly, they're, I don't know, they're hardly even a thing really, but they are. Yeah, it's a little odd. And then you have Fat Amy and Bumpers, interesting. Yeah, will they? Won't they? Thing. Yeah, will they? Won't it's they? Like, they did. What do y'all? Y'all aren't doing much with the relationships, but you've put them in here. No, no, they're still there. And obviously, this movie. So I think I don't know if this is an Elizabeth Banks thing. If it's whoever it's writing, whoever. Let me see who the writers are. If it's a K. Cannon, is the, is credited as one of the writers on this thing. But obviously there's like a desire for Becca to be somewhat in like um, like the kind of like bi-curious, bisexual place because she's so intimidated and infatuated with, with Brigitte Sorensen. Obviously, in the, even in the first movie and in this, in this movie a little bit, there's a lot of stuff with her and Chloe where they're like always like so intimately close to each other. I don't know if in the third movie they ever cash in on that or not, but like there's yeah. a weird, there's kind of like, okay, Skylar's her boyfriend uh, but she clearly kind of is is not not sticking with that so hard yeah the the most popular letterboxd review for this movie says i am the wasted sexual tension between anna kendrick and every girl (laughs) (laughs) and fair okay (laughs) you just addressed that so there you go well 
that was part of last week when I was talking about it was like it was a there was like a weird blend between Anna Kendrick and Skylar Aston's relationship, but also her relationship with Chloe, who's just like pushing her to be in this group. And they're like, I don't know, they're in the shower together and they're doing all this other. Yeah, very, very <laughs> intimate in each other's faces a lot. So I have a feeling that will continue in the third movie, but we'll find out. OK, well, I guess here this is a different question as we kind of approach to where we're going to shift gears, because since you all haven't seen the third one, what are just a couple of things that you hope happen? What would you? What would be your hopes for the third movie? It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Just what would you I know, hope to see? I know a little bit about it. I feel like a Battle of the Bands thing is in it or something like that. I would hope that after this, they trim the Bellas. Like, they have at least... They have a core group, and that's Anna Kendrick, Rebel Wilson, Chloe, and, you know, Hannah May Lee, and maybe even bring back Anna Camp. Or is that her name? Anna Camp. Yeah. Bring her back. Trim the butt, but you know, you have two characters who they even make a joke in this movie, they don't even know which one is which. And then, you know, you have a bunch of characters that are just superfluous. A lot of the troublemakers are superfluous. I think, you know, you folk keep hopefully Ben Platt and Skylar Aston and Adam Devine stick around. That's it. And that's kind of this movie, but then, you know, just keep it to that. A little bit more focused, streamlined. That's what I want. Maybe like 20 minutes shorter. Okay. You know, I wish I could see a pat for me being excited for the third one to possibly be good. I don't think it's going to be. I think it will be funny, but I think it will be bad. If, if what I think they could have done is if they continue with a college motif, you know, you brought back the legacies in this one, you can bring back the legacies in this one. But I feel like, you know, overall interest in acapella is dwindling and we got to do something to rekindle it. No, we, we started with four. Now there's only two and it's the troublemakers and the Bellas. And you know what? There's just not enough. In order to do that, we have to combine our superpowers Super and become one acapella power force with the new recruits, the inner, the troublemakers and the Bellas and the legacies all coming together at the end to deliver a powerful performance to just enlighten acapella once again Trouble throughout Bellas. the universe. But I don't. Think we're gonna get that i'm pretty sure that's not what happens if i remember right but i'd watch that movie for the, sure the treble bellas the treble bellas that's i, what I don't hear i'm for hire oh, if i remember the me. basic premise but not much more than that before uh, before i do the box office i did want to mention okay. there were some acapella like real life acapella groups the pentatonics made a cameo in this as well the philharmonic philharmonics and a indian group i don't remember the name of the indian group but they were called the non-stops which was pretty funny oh. pretty funny <laughs> joke Anyway, moving on to the box office stats. Yeah. Pitch Perfect 2 debuted the weekend of May 15th, 2015. Man, that was a long time ago. In its opening weekend, it would finish number one with $69.2 million, beating out Mad Max Fury Road, which brought in a $45.2 million three-day haul. Great. In what the number three spot. Huh? What week was Mad Max in? That was know? first week. So those two went head-to-head, and uh, one demo beat the other, as, they, as you will. Wow. Big excitement for Pitch Perfect 2. Oh, yeah. In the number three spot, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron brought in $38 million in its third week. Number four, you had Hot Pursuit, which brought in $5.7 in its second week. And in number five, Furious 7 was in its seventh week. It brought in $3.6 million. One of the highest grossing movies of all time. It is. It's up there. <laughs> you um, know what? Four... That, that's interesting, though, that I didn't realize there was such a large gap between this movie and the first one. That's a, pre- that's a three-year you know, and equal the, gap. Yeah, and that's, they address that almost in the movie. Like They talk about it's been three years or three-time champs. Yeah. 2012 to 2015. Interestingly enough, Pitch Perfect 2's opening weekend was bigger than the entire domestic run of Pitch Perfect 1. 
remember we talked about last week, Pitch Perfect made $65 million domestic for its entire run. It beat it in its opening weekend with the sequel. Right there. It was. And Pitch Perfect 2 would go on to make $184 million in the United States and $102 million overseas for a worldwide total of $287 million. Damn. That was good enough to finish in the number 12 spot in the United States for the year of 2015 2015 you guys think about it just a little bit do you remember what the top movie of 2015 was would it have been avengers siege of ultron no that was number uh, that was number three okay is it a marvel movie or it is not oh gosh 2015 2015 2015. is it beauty and the beast no did that come out that year no but yeah i'll tell you what you're in the right general company it's not marvel Ah! but it is disney related dang it is it is it toy story it's not toy story and got oh my gosh! I'll give you guys one more guess here. One okay, more guess. Okay, one more. Give us guess. one more hint here. Oh yeah, one more hint. Twenty fifteen. It is also in addition to twenty. In addition to being the mess, the number one movie twenty fifteen. It is the biggest movie of all time in terms of domestic release. Oh, it's the Force Awakens. It is. It's Star Wars: <laughs> The Force Awakens. Yes. Which brought in nine hundred and thirty-six. That's million a tricky one because it came State. out at the very end of the year. Very end. It came out in December. It is one. It is a movie that almost made a billion dollars just in the United States, which is incredible. <laughs> number two was Jurassic World. Number three, Age of Ultron. Number four, Inside Out. And at number five, Furious Seven. Okay. We've done reviews for one, two, three, three of the top five that year of that year. So go check those out. That being Star Wars, yeah, Jurassic World, Age of Ultron. Internationally, Pitch Perfect 2 would finish in the number 27 spot. And the, the numbers are pretty much the same there at the top. So there you have it. There's your box office stats for Pitch Perfect 2. I can't wait to see how Pitch Perfect 3 compares to the first two. Big improvement yeah. two to one Agreed. in terms of box office. But mm-hmm. I think the reviews are going to drop. Okay. Well, well let's, let's throw some guesses out there. I can't remember what last week's was, but it was like a three-point... Four or three or something like, like that. Five or something. I like it was a high one. It was. You guys was guess. I'll high. check that one. Okay. I really don't know. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna just guess 3.0. Oh man, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good guess. Because I don't feel like it would. I don't feel like this is gonna dip down into two territory. But I agree that it's not gonna be higher than last week either. I just really want to establish the floor at 3.0 if I can. I'm gonna do a 3.3 then. Ooh. I don't think I'm right, but I'm gonna pick it. Oh I'm man, gonna, I'm gonna. Oh, God, great. I don't know. I'm gonna undercut. I am gonna go. I'm gonna go under David with a two point eight. Okay, we well, yeah, And for reference, good. last week three point four for Pittsburgh. Okay, well, you said two point eight. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, we need a tiebreaker, y'all, because it all is right, two point right. nine. Two point nine. Two split it perfectly. Okay, Dang. I've got some tiebreakers from past Dang. shows where we skipped it because it was too soon. Okay. All right, so Garrett, it's between Garrett and I, right? So yep. Garrett, would you rather do, let's see, which one did we do? We did Fantastic Beasts before. Would you rather do Multiverse of Madness or Love and Thunder? Love and Thunder. Let's do Love and Thunder. All okay. right. Throw those guesses out. I got it. I'm going to guess 3. Love and Thunder. 3.2. 3.2 for Love and Thunder. That's a good guess. Do I want to go over or under? <laughs> I'm going to guess it's a 3.3. 3.2 and 3.3? Mm. Okay, well, we do not have to do another tiebreaker, thankfully. But you both went a little too high. Oh, damn um, it. Thor Love and Thunder has settled at a 3.0 right now. Oh, man, right That's on. about right. Yeah. Yeah. That's All right. Fine. So okay. Garrett wins. Garrett wins this one. So what What are our reviews going to be? Where, where, what are our stars? 
this is a 3.0. This is a good movie, but it's on the verge of not being one. So be careful. Yeah. I honestly don't remember what I gave last week's. I think I gave it like a four or something. I I'm can't gonna remember. Say, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say a three as well. It's it's so close to dipping into 2.5, but the music itself, I think, elevated it. I think I'm going to I'm gonna keep that trend and also pick a 3.0. I'm pretty sure I picked 3.5 for the first one, and I'm good with half a star demotion for this one, I think. So I don't need to average that out. That is a perfect 3.0. For the so many sequels community. A couple more of the the most popular reviews here while we got a couple minutes left. Like I said before, the first one was the, all the wasted tension with sexual tension between Anna Kendrick and every other girl. We also have this is for the uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine fans. I'm not surprised Charles Boyle is in an acapella group. I yeah. agree with that. I got physically ill when Haley Steinfeld started singing "Flashlight" during the riff off. <laughs> it was yeah, very that was really, cringy. Yeah, I hated, it. I hated that moment. No, because how did they get Barack and Michelle Obama in this at the very beginning? Like, what was that conversation like? That was <laughs> archival that was, footage. Yeah, that was about, yeah. Barack and if it and was, Michelle and he, were not in that it was, it was obviously archival footage, right. I feel like. Let's see any other fun ones here. <laughs> well, I'll end it with this one. No, no, two more. What was going through the writer's mind when they tried to set up Ben Platt with Haley Steinfeld? <laughs> Fair. And then finally, this is a bad review. Why do these dumbass movies end so abruptly? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's the show. We'll be back with Pitch Perfect 3 next week. Just go to somysequels.com and you can catch up with everything there. See you next time.